The Totally Super Podcast is coming to Geeks Radio. Justin and Arthur review every superhero movie ever made. Search for Totally Super Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Totally Super Podcast 2017. Warning, the following contains plot spoilers and naughty language. That means explicit content. And the comments and opinions expressed herein are for entertainment and commentary purposes only and may not reflect the actual opinions of Geeks Radio or the individual hosts. So don't get mad. It's just a show. So, hey, I just listened to this episode of Pop Off, and uh, it probably needs to have a trigger warning because we talk about one character who threatens to rape another character, and we talk about misogyny and abuse and dark stuff that uh, Joss Whedon put in the show. Um, It's mostly a light and fluffy episode. It's mostly just us having fun like we always do, but we don't shy away about talking about the topics that are in the shows. Um, If this is a difficult topic for you, um, just letting you know ahead of time because we don't want anyone to get upset. It's a fun show. Um, It's going to be really awkward in a second because this is a very serious part and then after the theme music uh it's we are trying to be funny uh, which i think we are but uh so you know okay enjoy pop off it's gonna be really awkward because that part was really serious okay here we go hello and welcome to pop off i'm arthur i'm justin justin has decided that he's going to do the entire episode in a sweet and sultry baritone i hope that this isn't annoying for any of you you, you know in what? I think we should both do it in sweet and sultry baritone so we can, yeah. you know, it can be like the Delilah version of the uh, podcast. W- welcome to Firefly, where did you hear where dead guys deliver messages? That's right. We're going to be uh, talking today about three separate episodes, uh, which will round out the season and uh, by extension round out the series. Can you imagine uh, you, if this is somebody's first like episode? They're like, oh, I like Firefly. <laughs> they're like, oh, this is cool. This is Firefly, and oh, what? Oh, what, that's cool. What are these guys I, doing? I like Weird. the calm, measured. I like the calm, measured way that they're speaking. I sure hope it continues like this for the rest of. Hey, wait a minute. You know, we should we should talk like this for about ten minutes, nice and for about just ten minutes. Out of the blue, yeah. just go ah, <laughs> yeah, and then just start swearing up a storm. Um. Okay, so uh, let's talk about uh, what episode are we doing first. Uh, we are going to be starting with the message because I believe yes. we have three episodes remaining. Yes. Um, uh, uh, so the message is, uh, hey, has uh, that guy um, who's in all of Joss Whedon's stuff? Um, the, oh, yeah, uh, that guy. Uh, well, he's Knox and uh, an Angel. He's Knox and Angel, and I believe he's the uh, also the dude uh, who was the psych major who fights with Buffy in the graveyard in conversations with dead people. Yeah, one of the um, best like one shots of all time was that. Uh, was yeah, that guy. where uh, where he's just sitting there and and they stop fighting and they have a conversation about life for like a half hour. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh, so I think it had uh, the great line. Oh, so you've got an inferiority complex about having a superiority complex. <laughs> it's a great episode, actually. Uh, we should have talked more about it, or maybe we did. I don't know it was probably like five years ago. No, 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 um, no, 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 no. Don't don't go down that road because what we're going to do then is end up redo revisiting all of Buffy at the pace that we've been yeah. doing Firefly, and we will never get the other <laughs> podcast done. Um. Okay. So, uh, so this is essentially um the story of uh of a dude from Mal's past, back when Mal used to be uh, a true brown coat. Um, yeah. Uh, coming back and uh, Mal, it's it, it's ultimately the story of Mal having to face um, Mal having to face sort of the ghosts of who he was and and who he could have become if he didn't become the Mal that we all know and love. Very true. 
Um, so, uh, do you have an, uh, an episode synopsis there or should I go with, uh, a little bit here up to you, sir? Uh, well, let's see. Uh, let me go with mine. Cause I think it's a little bit more, it's not so much of a synopsis. It is sort of like a trailer lead in Mal and his crew are having entertainment in a space station and Mal goes to the post office to check and he receives a big trunk addressed to Zoe and him. I'm loving the grammar so far. <laughs> when he opens the box, he finds the corpse of their army pal, private Tracy. They also find a message from Tracy asking Mal and Zoe to deliver his boy to his parents in a planet. The Serenity <laughs> heads to the planet, and out of the blue, she is attacked by another spaceship. Mole, not Mal, Mole asks Simon <laughs> to make an autopsy in, in to make an autopsy in Tracy, and they discover that the man is alive. What has happened to Tracy? The end. Thank you, IMDB.com. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> okay, I think I've got to start with an IMDb storyline from here on out. But why don't we go with your probably much more accurate synopsis? Actually, it's a fairly uh, accurate synopsis because uh, mine is like like this one has decided to, uh, for reasons I don't understand, be 70 paragraphs long. Um <laughs> Uh, again, we said last time, like you can either, like you can't get like, a, we should do it. We should like, like, you know, we're once to talk. We spent an hour and a half doing four episodes last time. Um, mm -hmm. uh, essentially the, uh, Mal discovers, uh, this, uh, gentleman, Tracy, who he has, uh, worked with in the past. Um, and, uh, Tracy, uh, is sort of down on his luck, seems to betray everybody except at the end you discover he didn't so much. Um, I don't think mm -hmm. we need to spend a ton on the episode, but I do want to, um, talk about uh tracy's uh ultimate betrayal of mal um because at the at the end um it turns out tracy's just sort of using the people uh the people around him and uh and ultimately it seems like he's betraying people more than he will than he actually is at the end i want to talk um it just sort of makes me you know think about uh have you ever had that friend um and i hope it's not me um, because I'm always like, hey, can you help? Like this week, I've been like, hey, can you help me out with the thing? Uh, um, but like that that friend who who you just keep giving the chances to. Um, oh, that's actually a really good way of putting it because it's the that's actually a good way of describing Tracy because it's sort of like it's one of those. Uh, he's not a bad guy, but yeah, I mean, even what the first time I watched this episode, I was annoyed by Tracy uh, just to begin with. Um, and it wasn't even so much the betrayal thing. It was just like, yeah, but you're right. He's totally that friend that the, as the old saying goes, the juice just is not necessarily worth the squeeze of the yeah. friendship. Oh, that's awesome. Um, you know, it's, I don't, I've never had a problem with friends who, who needed help or asked me for a step in that's normal. That's what friends are. That's sort mm -hmm. of the, the reason we have the social constructs of friends. Um, yeah. but, but the, that is literally uh, what friends are for. Um, but the, I have had in my life once or twice uh, these friends who who I am helping them more because I'm a good guy than I am like at first is because I care about them and I do still care about them. But there ends up being a disconnect, I think, at the end about the reason why you're helping them. Um, at the end, you care about them and you're helping them. And those are separate things. You end up sort of helping them because of like the moral obligation you have, like to help someone in need. But it just sort of like there was a. There was a, and I want to tread lightly in case they listen to the show. There, there was a person in my life at some point um, who, like every three months, would sort of reach a a crisis point, 
and would reach out. And because I was doing fairly well at that point in my life, I would help out in that crisis point and they'd be very thankful and they would seem to start the process of like turning shit around. Mm-hmm. And then like at like month two and a half, like, suddenly there's another crisis again. It's another. And, and, and after a few times you, you go, you know, that's what is the, the one constant in all of these situations. Um, but I think the problem with people like Tracy is that they're just capable enough that you feel like you could do this. You could do life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If like you just you, stop. If you just stop making stupid decisions. Yeah. Like it's, it's like, you, yeah, that's a good point. It's just like, oh, you keep coming so freaking close. Uh, it, basically synopsis wise, the, the trouble that Tracy is in right now is that he was smuggling internal organs, um, which Okay, again, not the best career choice, but hey, you know, no judgment out in the black. Uh, he was smuggling internal a- organs from Ariel, but the original, so he had, uh, he was taking them to the original buyer, but then he got a better deal and decided to sell it to the higher bidder. Uh, so the problem is that now the original buyer has not only killed the higher bidder, they are now coming after Tracy as well for the uh uh, for both revenge and the uh, material, and uh, and again, it's one of those. Tracy let his eyes get a little bit too big for his stomach. Uh, yeah, it's like and- you ever watch you ever watch those those mob movies where like someone crosses the wrong person, and you ever think to yourself, you know, if I was ever really in trouble, I could go to the mob. It would be fine because I know that I know that I would be responsible. I would just treat it like a bank and repay my debts and my kneecaps would be fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but like it's and, and which is probably not true. It's, it's probably a lot more. I just saw a baby driver and it's probably much more like that. Once you're in, you can never get out. Yeah, um, I think that's much more likely. Um, but the like you feel that way with with people like this and yeah i i know i know people like this and you like if if they weren't capable cuz i also know people who really aren't capable who just like seriously cannot make better decisions than the ones that they make and i'm much more i'm much more uh, sympathetic to those people than i am to people who are like you know you're smart and you're capable what are you doing um the at the end of the episode you find out that he cuz for a while there's a section of the episode where you feel like this guy is the bad guy Um, uh, and you find out at the end, he's not so bad. Um, uh, and he ends up ultimately being, you know, proving his loyalty to Mel. Um, there's a wonderful bit at the end, uh, where they play his recording to his parents. Um, and it sort of functions as a funeral. Um, and it's sort of one thing that Firefly can't have that much that Buffy used to have, um, was that sort of meaningful cuts to people's reactions as like a Sarah McLaughlin song plays. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was, and yeah. this is, I think the closest until serenity, the movie that the show ever gets to that, that you, you, you hear this happening and you get sort of the, 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 the meaningful like looks and response. Yeah. And it's, it's, well, it's, and a, it's, it's, it's a, a powerful musical. Ending. It's a beautiful musical theme. And uh, I remember in the DVD commentary, one of the reasons why that moment is so powerful is this is about the time that they found out that the show was not uh, being continued. So uh, for the actors, as well as for the, uh, the the actual music itself, all of that was done both sort of as a farewell to Tracy, but also as a, uh, it is a fair, that theme is a farewell to the show. And this ne- uh, this episode never uh, aired in first run, correct? Like this one did not make it. That, I, that I don't I know. Yeah, I think this is the first of the three that never 
uh, aired first run. Now, of course, Firefly is, you know, aired forever since then. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. Um, anything else to say about the message, sir? Uh, well, it is where Jane gets his hat, which has oh, possibly become yes. one of the most iconic costume pieces in the history of sci-fi. I have that hat hanging on my door to my office, mm-hmm. um, uh, literally four feet behind me. Right now. That hat has probably single-handedly fueled more Etsy accounts than just about any other item of clothing. Because <laughs> um, uh, and it it definitely says something very much about Jane, and that it's like it, his mother made him the cap, so he wears it without even a second thought. Uh, and when anyone challenges on, it's just like. See a man wearing a hat like that, you know that man's not afraid of anything. You know, it's it's funny. We talked about when we talked about Spike, we talked about how he was at his most cool and most incredibly masculine on his very first entrance and was always sort of the joke was always to undercut that. And I think that to a certain mm-hmm. extent, when you first meet Jane, it's like, one day I'm gonna betray you. Ha ha. You know, he seems capable and dark and like when you first meet him, and then by the time you get to this, it's the the joke is to undercut that. Yeah, um, that's a good somewhat. point. And it's, uh, I think it's, if the show had gone for years and years, I, I wonder if Jane would have become like the Spike um, as you watch like his soul sort of develop. Yeah, it's entirely. But well, we've talked about Jane's arc before. Uh, there was certainly, uh, there was certainly groundwork being laid for that. Um, okay, episode 13, uh, Heart of Gold. Heart of um, Gold, a far more interesting episode. And uh, let me just real quick. I know I have a couple friends who really adored the message, who found it very, very moving. Um, and I, I don't want to discredit that. Uh, it didn't hit me the way that it hit other people. And from what you're saying, Justin, it sounds like it didn't hit you as well, well no, with that same effect. Actually, it did. Uh, I find the message to be one of the most moving episodes uh, of Firefly. But if you and I were to sit down and talk about like a moving piece of of classical music, for instance, um, you could ultimately say I like this and this and, and talk about a couple of the themes in it. But it's it doesn't do a, do a huge amount of world building. There's not a lot of it. Like it's not terribly discussable, um, except mm-hmm. that it's it's very, very good and very um, it's, it's very, very good and very uh moving and thoughtful and, and hits you in the heart more than it does in the head. Um, you know, sometimes you wonder, you if we had to talk, because we're going to be talking about superhero movies very soon, if we had to talk about, for instance, Iron Man or Spider-Man 3, for instance, Iron Man is an infinitely better movie than, than Spider-Man 3, but I feel like our discussion of Spider-Man 3 would be better and longer. Because, oh, that's a good point. We'd have more to talk about, yeah. Yeah, there's just, there's just not... There's not that much to unpack. The episode, uh, we could read you a a beat-by-beat synopsis, I guess, uh, but you can do that yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. There's not a whole lot. However, in terms of world building, Heart of Gold is really interesting. World building, gender gender politics. um, Yeah, this is uh, is interesting. Well, let's launch into it. let's, Let's launch into it with an IMDb synopsis. Inara receives, a, Inara receives a distress call from her old friend Nandi, who owns a brothel on a moon. Mal and his crew <laughs> heads to the place, and they learn that the leader of the town, Rance Burgess, has an infertile wife, and the prostitute, Petaline, is pregnant of him. Now he wants the baby to raise with his family. Mal and his crew decide to help Nandi, Petaline, and the other girls defending the brothel from Rance Burgess. Meanwhile, Mal and Nandi feel attracted for each other, hurting the feelings of Inara. The end. <laughs> Thank you, IMDb. This is 
That's really, really amazing. Um, <laughs> What's the good synopsis? Um, it's too long. It's oh, so. Here's the thing. Minus the minus the uh, the grammar problems, the synopsis is pretty good. Yeah, uh, that's actually. actually not half bad. If I wanted to, uh, if I wanted to uh, boil it down, I would say okay. So it's the um, it's the the whorehouse scene from Young Guns two, followed by the um, the big escape scene from Young Guns one. Um, and throw in a dash of Magnificent Seven as well, too. Yeah. Um, uh, but the what's so yeah. So the so Mal uh, Mal and Nara go to this planet. Where you discover sort of the difference between um, between what is a prostitute and what is a companion. Um, I love that uh, this episode still uh, doesn't go ah companions okay prostitute bad. No, this episode still says you know what if you want to. You know, it's, 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 you know, pardon my French, going to have a little curse word coming up here, but it was like George Carlin said, selling is legal, fucking is legal. Why isn't selling fucking legal? <laughs> it does certainly play into the, well, like, uh, you know, when Mal first met Inara, Inara was pro-unification. You get a sense that, um, my bet is that the Companion Guild did very well under unification, like... The sure. Companion and the Alliance have a good... They both are orderly systems. Um, you know, so much of Firefly, uh, as is frequently the case with Westerns and things like that, is it's, it is the constant battle between order and freedom. And it's not that one is right and the other is wrong. Uh, it's that it's finding in each situation where's the line between respecting individual rights plus preserving the common good. Uh, you get the sense that, um, ironically, I think Mal would probably just have a lot, he'd have a lot less trouble with uh, just a, you know, a whorehouse, uh, prostitutes, than he would with the Companion Guild. Because to him, it's just more honest. Uh, I think yeah. he sees the Companions Guild as being something that's really, you know, dressed up in bureaucracy and in lying to itself. Um whether or not that's true or not, I don't know. Uh, but certainly, you can see how, despite all of the protections that the Companions Guild offers, you can see why somebody would decide, you know what, I think I'm going to try to go it on my own. Yeah, well, and this is not, and this is, they are not companion. Let's, let's be clear. This is, uh, you know, the, mm -hmm. to quote Young Guns 2, this is a real sawdust on the sawdust on the floor whorehouse. That's what this is. Mm -hmm. Um uh, I want to talk real quick, I guess, uh, as we unpack this episode about um, and and if it seems like we're going shorter than normal, um, we are. This is going to be a shorter uh, episode than the ones we normally do. But yes. uh, rest assured that our um, our review of Serenity will be uh, will probably be a bit more in depth. Um, it will be in depth and probing and life changing. And also, or two of the three. And also, we will have actually watched Serenity before we do it, as opposed to we have not watched all of these. Uh, you know, to be honest, I have not watched all of these in advance of, of doing the, the podcast, although I've seen them all so many times, I feel like I know them. Yes. Um, and, and here's my defense of not going back to rewatch it, because that way it's this way. We're really talking about the things that really stick out to us, even after all these years later. So what we're doing is we're making excuses and you guys have to deal with it because this podcast hey, is free. It's not a bug. It's not a bug. It's a feature. <laughs> Um, I want to talk real quick about um, there is a scene that I don't like upon rewatching that I liked. What So 
I like the heart stuff. I like, you know, the the reason I go to Star Trek is more the head stuff and the it, it appeals to something different. But something about Firefly, mm-hmm. all of Joss's stuff, um, you know, I like it when the guy can't get the girl or the girl can't get the guy. You know, that's like that's that's <laughs> you, you know, you're a diehard shipper. Nothing wrong I, with I, that. Yeah. So um, Inara breaks down crying in this episode because mm-hmm. she learns that Mal has ha- has been sleeping um with uh with one of the with one of the prostitutes um with what's her name what's her name uh, uh, with, uh Nandi. Nandi. Nandi, 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 yeah. Nandi Nandi yeah so 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 Anara you know seems like she's okay and then goes and breaks down in the corner and and weeps um and I've always had a problem with this. I understand what it's supposed to do to you, the audience. I understand it's you're supposed to go, oh. But in retrospect, a little hypocritical, Inara. It's well, here's the thing. I think it's I think it's a misstep. I think it's a misstep. I have I a couple issues. Here's a couple. Um, here's one way that you could explain it in a justifiable light, which is because when Inara has the conversation with Mal, I mean, Inara even says something to the degree of. It would be really damn hypocritical of me if I got upset over the fact that you were having sex with somebody else. Um, that is so. If she so when she breaks down, I get the sense Inara knows full well that it's being hypocritical. However, emotions are sometimes hypocritical. Um, you know, jealousy is not something that we necessarily have control over. Um, you know, we feel jealous sometimes, even when we know that jealousy does not necessarily make logical sense. Um, you know, I think Inara, if she felt emotionally that way about it, she absolutely did the right thing in the sense of saying, okay, this has torn me up, but Mal has done nothing wrong. So I'm going to go and deal with this emotional stuff on my own without bringing this on him. That is the, that is the positive way to spin it all. Um, I will say, but I, I completely agree with you that there is, it, it seems off the mark for Inara. And and I think here's why it really bugged me is that this is one of the few times, possibly the only time that I've ever seen um and I don't I don't know to what degree Joss was involved with this particular one, but this is an absolute total recycle of a scene from Buffy. Like pra- not shot for shot, but moment for moment. And that moment is in season 3 of Buffy when shortly after Xander and Faith have had sex for the first time, which I believe was Xander's first time, period. Uh, Xander makes some mention about, oh, I think Faith and I have a deeper connection now. And everyone's like, what do you mean? And Willow immediately intuits, uh, oh, that means that they've had sex. And she's totally fine with it in the library. Just sort of, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And then the next scene is her in the bathroom of the school, crying her eyes out on her own with sad music playing in the background. Hmm. So it's yeah. real, like, it is a, I remember actually when, when I saw Inara have it, when I first watched this and watched Inara having that conversation with Mal uh, about, and she seemed totally fine. Something at the back of my mind was, I wonder if this next scene is going to be Inara completely crying off on uh. her. Oh, yep. Yep. There it is. So, there, so I guess I, I guess it, another way to go with it um, is you could say that 
maybe her other thing is that maybe it's not just that feelings are hypocritical, but maybe she is also doing a little bit of self-analysis at the same time. Like, like it could be even more devastating for her to go, I am so upset about this because this is a betrayal of, of what we're supposed to, what I wanted us to be and is what I'm doing also. Like, it, it could be calling into, for her, calling into question you know, I'm 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 reaching. I'm I'm head mm-hmm. a little, but I I, I don't yeah, want totally. Anara. I don't want Anara to just be upset that Mal did. Like like I would have said, I would assume that she could compartmentalize this, and I would assume that in the entire time that like she's been on Serenity, like that there have been you know episodes that we have not been privy to. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I guess it is what it is. Let's talk about um, I want to talk uh, really quick about Burgess um. Is Bridges also sort of a rehash of of um, Nathan Fillion's character from Buffy? Just like this is the this is the I hate women, women. Yeah. Are. Oh yeah, that's right. The women are property. Raw. Yeah. Um, uh, he does a great job. Um, it is. I don't know. It, even at this point, uh, it's a little tired. Even at this point, the the. Like, like I, I am. Yeah, even, just even in the world of two thousand, e- like even in the world of two thousand four, it was a little. Uh, although, you know, here's the thing. So to tie that into, uh, I am currently watching my way through Handmaid's Tale uh, on Hulu. I've heard great things. It is incredible. It is rough. Like I have to, I have to take time between each episode because it's just so intense. So it's not um, a date night uh, show. No, no, not not if you plan on getting any that night. No, <laughs> uh, the uh, so you know there's a lot. I mean, the show is essentially about a future where women are property in so many different ways, and the way that characters talk in it, uh, every uh, at least once every episode, there is a moment where either a male or a female who is in control does something or says something so absolutely horrible that part of me immediately goes, ah, come on. Okay, that's a bit much. I mean, okay, I get that we're in this dystopian future, but to imagine that somebody would do that, that, ah, that just sounds... And that is my natural reaction. And then I turn to my wife and ask, does that sound like something somebody might say? And half the time... The response is, oh, that's totally been said to me at some point. No, oh, it doesn't like, make you want to punch somebody in the, in, like, in the soul. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, here's my feeling with Rance Burgess is that for both you and I, we might think, OK, this guy's a little bit too snidely whiplash of a character because, come on, you know, real must. I mean, yes, we know misogyny is rampant, but real misogynists aren't that like they're not that extreme and obvious um, and uh, and dangerous. And uh, I would be very. I would not be surprised if a bunch of, uh, you know, if, if other people uh, who had viewed the show were just like, nope, nope. Rance Burgess seems right about believable. Yep. So, Interesting. boy, that's yeah. that's that's upsetting. That's it, that's a depre- that's a really depressing thought, isn't it? Anyway, but thanks for listening to Pop Pop. I'm going to go. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm just going to go listen to uh, I'm going to go listen to, to Creed now. I'll be right. Yeah, back. Okay, let's go. Let's go listen to some Morrissey. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, uh, and the final uh, episode of Firefly. Um, Why do uh, I get the feeling that you just like nothing, nothing against these two, but you just want to get through to out of uh, to uh, objects in space? Objects in space. Um, this is a great episode. What this an is amazing an character in Jubilee! Episode. Um, a precursor to like, would do you think that like? Let's just jump it. We said it before. Do you think that uh, that 
the operative in um, Serenity is a rethinking of this character? Do you think that the script for Serenity was early and then when mm-hmm. they realized they didn't want to go that way, they sort of retooled the character? I don't know if it's deli- I don't know if it's a de- if it's as deliberate as that. We could never know that, but certainly there are a ton of thematic uh, and character quirk similarities to the two that I think. I mean, it's uh, a, it, it is it is it, it is a a super effective ninja like, well spoken dude um, uh, who uh, who is willing to do absolutely anything necessary to achieve one goal, and that goal is uh, is River Tam. So, uh, however, the difference for uh, the the crucial difference between the two, though, is that Jubal Early is primarily self serving. He wants River Tam because it's going to get him a payday like he'd never believed. Sure, and there's professional pride in it. The agent does everything for the sake of the alliance that he believes in. He well, does that's everything what, that's, in the, the name of creating a better world. I it makes me it makes me wonder simply because um uh simply because like most of what uh most of what the operative does is uh is something that Jubal Early would do. Absolutely every plot movement that the operative makes is exactly what Early would do. Every reason and theme behind what he does, every conversation that he has, um, uh, is not early. So it makes me wonder if, like, there was a like there was a a later episode, a a season one finale that was supposed to be early doing this because early is clearly being set up to do big things. Um, mm-hmm. And then when they made the show, the movie, they're like, "Well, we need to change the themes up." It's just that maybe it's because this is the last episode, but. Mm-hmm. But it is, uh, um, it is so close. Um, so I don't know. Okay. Well, before we go any further, I need to read the IMDb synopsis of this because oh, this is do. a good one. Okay. All right. Storyline: River has a daydream and holds one of Jane's weapon, believing it was a tree branch. Suddenly, she awakes and sees Mal and the crew. Scary. River overhears Mal and the crew discussing about her, and she feels rejected. Meanwhile, the ruthless bounty hunter Jubal Early, who has tracked down River, boards the Serenity while everybody is sleeping. He subdues Mal and locks the crew in the cabins, ties Kaylee up in the engine room, hits Shepard Book on the head, and he finally captures Simon to force him to deliver his sister. However, River is missing, and out of the blue, she tells, through the communication system, that she felt rejected and had melted away, becoming part of Serenity. The skeptical Early does not believe first, but soon she is convinced she is telling the truth. Let me repeat that. But soon she is convinced she is telling the truth. <laughs> what will happen to River? Question mark. Thank you, what? IMDb. That's amazing. That's amazing. Why I didn't we it. find this earlier? It's Seriously, incredible. three for three with this. Um. Wow. Um. <laughs> um uh, I think, so. Yeah. Go ahead. Um. Jubilee. Yeah. He's uh. He's a great, fascinating character, um, you know, and that he's one of those bounty hunters who waxes uh, philosophical, which is a, a a tried and true tested trope. Um, there are, I seem to remember, I forget the exact scene or something, but when he is subduing Kaylee, there is, um, the one thing that squicked me out a little bit about it was there were, uh, I think there were sexual threats. Made. Oh, absolutely. Uh, he was going to rape yeah. her. That was the... Mm-hmm. And yeah. here, this and this brings up a really interesting question about that. In that, because the constant, uh, 
thing when doing this kind of storytelling is, uh, you know, logistically, that is absolutely uh, somebody with no scruples who is trying to intimidate somebody would do. Heck, that is actually that is actually something, you know, he could have even been just bluffing. Even if he had a moral compass saying that he wouldn't do that, he could still threaten that to keep somebody quiet. Um, so, you know, is it right for the story to be including that uh, in order to, especially because it shows this guy's a bad guy, or is it unnecessary to include that level of, because that level of threat hits home, uh, and we've discussed this before, you bring that sort of thing into it, you know, for whatever reason, we can distance ourselves from threats of violence, uh, you know, death, dismemberment, all that. Uh, it is a lot harder to, it's a lot harder to not take sexual threats personally, even when you're watching them being delivered on a screen. Yeah, but you know, there's a, I think there's a, um, I think, I think that it, it, it's a thing that needs to be retired. Honestly, the, uh, it's rarely done super well. Um, it always, it, it very, very often ends up sidelining, um, sidelining a and, and objectifying a female character. In that, this guy is going to threaten to rape, and usually that means that some pissed off male character is going to deal with that guy. Mm -hmm. um, uh, in this case, it ends up being River who does it, but it still it doesn't help Kaylee's character at all that he did yeah. that. It's not that Kaylee turns around at the end and goes, you got personal with me, now I'm getting personal mm -hmm. with you. Like That's not what yeah. happened. Maybe that's it. Is it the sense of, it's something that's addressed in one scene and that's it. A, it wasn't necessary in order to move the plot along. Uh, Character-wise, it wasn't even necessary to cow Kaylee. Um, maybe it's because, maybe the issue for me, and now I'm just sort of thinking about it, um, when you are including sexual assault in a storyline, uh, or even the threat of it. Maybe it's one of those things that I guess I sort of feel either your entire storyline needs to be about it or it shouldn't even be in there because maybe the problem is that when you lump when you lump the threat of sexual assault in with just, you know, oh, and then others, you know, so yeah, he ties her up and then threatens to assault her. And then uh, other stuff happens in the episode, too. You are glossing over the tremendous uh, impact and weight that happens with even the threat of that sort of thing. You know, it's interesting. Uh, if that makes sense. I was a huge fan. I think I still am of the movie The Crow. Um, when it came out, I was just the mo the greatest thing. I saw it probably 10 times in the theater. Um, it's, mm -hmm. a movie that, it's a movie that I, I, I love. Um, but in the movie, um, it's a revenge plot where a guy, among other things, watched his uh, fiance get uh, raped and murdered. And they focus a lot on the rape section of that conversation. In mm -hmm. fact, you, you never see how she dies. You just see that she was raped. And then later on, you see her dying. Um, in that, uh, I could totally see how somebody would watch that movie and feel like, that is the the dictionary definition of fridging, like right there. Like we have just mm -hmm. completely done the worst possible thing. We have discovered the platonic form of fridging. Um, yeah, uh, to this, to this, to this woman, and and so there's that. The other, 
the flip side example of that, and and it's a weird jump to go to, but I was talking talking the other day about the remake of the Nightmare on Elm Street movie, mm-hmm. and how uh, Freddy Krueger in the remake was a child molester, which was only ever hinted at in the very opening scenes of Freddy versus Jason, and other than that, he was always a child murderer. Um, they never said molester in the original Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Um, Interesting. And so, so where that. Um, where that becomes, uh, and he, like, there was a hint that he killed some little kids, but you just get the sense he's just always, like, after teenagers. Um, yeah. Uh, the, I listened to a podcast once about that movie. They said the problem is, is by the end, he's, he's wisecracking Freddy a little bit at the end of the movie, like, in a, a darker, but still one-liners, and the, the whole point of a Freddy mm-hmm. movie is you are the, enjoying, kind of, you're Freddy enjoying watching those Freddy guys be Freddy. Get, yeah, exactly. So so in The Crow, those characters who did those things that they did are the one thing The Crow gets right is they're despicable through and through. Absolutely. One hundred percent of the time, there is nothing that makes them sympathetic. And the you fact that they, they went there, you want their destruction as an audience member. Freddie is somebody that you love to hate. The yeah. people you're describing, The Crow, you don't love to hate them. You just hate them. So the problem it's like, with, the, it's the like problem Dolores with, Umbridge in Harry Potter yeah. for me. The problem with Jubal early is that he does this to Kaylee, but you're still supposed to kind of like him at the yeah. end. Or at least you're supposed to like watching him. Yeah. Um, you're, supposed to, you're supposed to enjoy his journey and his wisecracks and all yeah, that. Yeah, he is He is supposed to be a likable, horrible guy, but likable. Yeah. Um, And I think that is why that scene is a misstep, because you don't go back from that. I, w- I would like, completely agree with that. Yeah. Um, That being said... I'm almost willing to let it go because are you Alliance? Yeah, we, we need to. I was just saying, it's just like if we talk about nothing else, and I know we've done this on the show before, but we need to come back and talk even more about that line, which now you first said it as the greatest line in Firefly, Fly, yeah, the greatest line in Firefly possibly in television history. And I, I agree. the more I've thought about it, the more I am inclined to agree with you. It's because just astounding. It is, it's just astounding because it never happens before. Who mishears people in television? You know that. Mishear, you know that's and, right and up the there with like. Is so funny. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Is it makes Jubal so Jubal early? He's in this moment. It, it's one of the best undercuts in Joss Whedon verse history because he is intimidating. We've seen scenes where he's been very intimidating, doing all of these things, and then, and it's had he just misheard said. Are you a lion? Am I a lion? What's what's that even mean? No, no, no. Are you alliance? Oh, like that itself would have been funny. But when he said, am I a lion? Well, I don't know. I do have a mighty roar. It immediately makes him. You know what it's the equivalent of? You know, when you're like standing in a crowd and you see somebody that you think, you know, but not quite waving to you. And so you like you wave back to them and then you realize they were totally waving somebody to somebody behind you. Yeah, that no, is the, it's, it's it's the dialogue equivalent of that Jubal early ends up with so much egg on his face uh, because of that. And it's, it's just ah, it's pretty awesome. Um, I want to talk really quick because uh, we only have like I said, this is a short episode. And we only have about four minutes left, uh, but I want to talk real quick about uh, River um, and her uh, perception of the crew, because um, the, the good portion of the episode is is in River's POV as she imagines what he, you see what the crew is saying but that you imagine what she thinks that the crew is saying about her um i think it's a really good look into uh 
in, into people with delusions and what they might be seeing. People with paranoid delusions mm-hmm. specifically, not like hallucinations and stuff. But when you hear about be- people being paranoid and you hear about like, you know, especially people who are like bipolar, um, you know, when they're having an episode, like, like, what are they seeing? What are they thinking? Um, even I have to say that, you know, there are times where I hear people laughing and I do wonder, is it me that they're laughing at? And that's like, that's mm-hmm. her, her impression of what the crew thinks about her. Um, and well, her, for River, it's also a completely deeper thing because she actually is psychic. And by now we're starting to realize she actually can read crew thoughts. So that's the question, though. Are those their thoughts or is she projecting her own fears upon? I mean, I think I like that the uh, episode doesn't tell you the answer to that question. Yeah. And, and here's my feeling, too, is that um, there's the old saying, uh, and I'm paraphrasing it a bit here, when you're in a situation your first thought is not actually you. That is the mood. Your first thought in a situation is the mood you're in that day, the culture you were brought up in. Um, you know, so many things, so many external circumstances in your life that have channeled into that first um, instinctive, uncontrollable thought. Your second thought is what defines you. Um you know, it, it's the it's the sort of thing of saying it just like, look, we all have racist tendencies or we all sometimes have racist patterns that we subconsciously fall into. But the way to counteract that is not pretend those aren't there, but to really focus on our conscious thoughts in addressing them. Uh, my bet is every single one of the crew, even Simon, has first thoughts that are, oh, my God, River. You are so annoyed. Like, you know, I'm sure Simon has moments where he's like, God, my life could have been so much better with that. Like brief, infinitesimal, fleeting. And then immediately, you know, his true nature would kick in and say, no, it's all worth it. Um, I mean, I'm sure every parent, uh, and Justin, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm sure every parent has moments where briefly, ever so they look at their kid and be just like, oh, my God, I do not like you right now. And then... I don't know if you get the do not like you right now, but I do think that we all have a horrible thing that we think to say from time to time. That, that Yeah, that, yeah okay, say. yeah, we'll go with that. So that's the thing, is that, um, and that's how society thrives, is us recognize, you know, a, a functional society works on us being able to filter out those first thoughts and then, you know, interact using second thoughts. The way I like to think of it is that River can hear those first thoughts and for a psychic, it's probably very difficult to differentiate between first and second thoughts. So here's a question. Do you think that I still think she's projecting some of her own thoughts onto it as well? Because she is not only psychic, but she's also, you know, a little psychotic as well. Yeah. So so yeah, that's she's not be, well. That's got to be even more confusing to mm-hmm. have both sort of the break to have both a mental break and a one up on everybody in your ability to read their thoughts. It's got to be hard to differentiate between what is real and what is imagined. Um, yeah. And, and also, like- and it's, it's easy to forget. She's a teenager. I mean, shoot, I remember yeah. when I was a teenager, it's like you said that, you know, imagine the, you know, even as adults, like you say, we have moments of paranoia when looking at other people talking and laughing and everything. Those were magnified a hundredfold when we were in our teenage years. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, so that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, like I said, it's a shorter episode, uh, but uh, 
that is the end of uh firefly uh next um we're gonna talk about uh about the movie serenity we're gonna ask the question can you see serenity before you see firefly and should you um uh we're going to ask uh we're gonna ask is firefly uh better than the show or is uh or, or better than the movie or is serenity a more uh concise uh like certain concise sort of look at this at this universe um and we will finally put to rest the age-old question how do reavers clean their spears they put them through the wash yeah too soon yeah what too soon <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know why that joke makes me so happy. Maybe it's the look of absolute. Lo- I, that joke is that that's the 2000s equivalent of making a joke about Hodor nowadays. Yeah, no. So, yeah. So, yeah. OK, so but for now, uh, my name is Justin and I am Arthur. Pop off. Popping oh, off. I'm sorry. Pop, pop, pop. All right. Bye. <laughs> Just bye. <laughs> Just, Just bye. go. You are done. Go. Go listen to other podcasts now. But come back and see. OK, bye for real. Bye. The Totally Super Podcast is coming to Geeks Radio. Justin and Arthur review every superhero movie ever made. Search for Totally Super Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Totally Super Podcast 2017.